Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Basketball Brains. I am one of your hosts of the pod, Billy Trice. Got my man, Mike Charles, all the way from New York. Say what's up, Mike. I'm the leader of this podcast. Oh, oh, what's up? What's up, guys? No, 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 no. I am, like, the main guru on the pod. Like, I'm putting out the best content and the best information, and then, like, you're like a sidekick. And like you, you know, you basically co-sign everything that I say. I'm like, it's, it's a great flow. I think it works for us. I think I'm, it's really the best formula. I for think our success. I'm, I think in this podcast, in this analogy, I'm Ben Simmons and you're Shake Milton. So wow, that's that, crazy. That's, if anything, I'm Joel Embiid, and trash? you know, you're Kylo Quinn. Kylo Quinn's not bad though. He's not, but he's not Joel Embiid. But anyway, hope you guys are doing well. Hope everything is uh, is okay with you guys, and you know you're pushing through your week. So if you're listening to the pod, that means it's Friday, um, and you know, so you're getting great content from us. Uh, hopefully, Mike, you had a good week. How was your week, Mike? It was good. Had a lot of work to do this week, but I got it all done. You now, now we just look into looking at finals. God, don't remind me. And graduation. Don't hopefully, me. this podcast is your break from all that. <laughs> It is. It's my escape. It is my escape. But so, guys, let's get deep, um, indulging ourselves into our first segment of the night. So, there's a lot of stuff that was surrounding this Clippers uh, Rockets game last night. And so, the first thing that we're going to do is just indulge ourselves um, into more so, you know, what happened in the game. So, Mike, what were your thoughts on just the whole game as a whole? I actually. Didn't get. I think I saw like the last quarter of this game. I didn't really get to see the full thing. I, you know, like I said, I've been busy with a lot of schoolwork. Right. But um, I was really surprised, you know, how well the Rock. Well, how well James Harden played. But it, it kind of. I think it was like James Harden has that free form type of play, and he kind of has the green light from Dan Tony to take whatever shot that he feels uh, is a good shot. So it's kind of it's kind of easy for him, but I think Russell doesn't know his role in this team. What are you thinking? I mean, I watched bits and parts of this game, um, and honestly, it's hard for me to watch a full Rockets game just because I hate watching the way Harden plays basketball. Like me and my friends talk about it all the time. Like it's just not it's just not productive and like pretty to watch. The ball is sticking in one spot, just crossover, crossover, crossover through the legs. It's not it's not fun to watch. But I mean, so far they're eight and three this year. I mean, I think this is a, a big win for them in terms of morale, um, in terms of looking down the line to be eight and three and to beat the Clippers. I know they didn't have Paul George yet, but that's still a, a nice a nice win for them. Um, and like you said, Harden goes off. Twelve of twenty six from the field is not great, but seven of thirteen from the field and sixteen of seventeen from the line um, to get his forty seven. Uh, he 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 only had six turnovers, which I guess in the game usually in the games where he goes off like this, he kind of turns the ball over a lot more. So I guess that's pretty solid. Um, Adding seven assists, six boards. Um, just a nice effort from Harden there. And you got a good effort also from Westbrook, from Capella. But there was not really much scoring outside of that. It was really Harden basically had half of their points. Um, and I saw something that Max Kellerman was saying just about how do we know when the Rockets are serious? Because we've seen this whole game before. Mm-hmm. Good in the regular season. Harden's good in the regular season. Come big moments, they fade away. Um, what we're, It's yet to see if Westbrook can be that factor that puts him over the edge. The thing, I'm not going to rip him for last night. He only had 17. Um, 
the reason I'm not going to rip him last for that is because he, in a game like that where Harden's going off, he has the ball in his hands a lot, and he's not really – Westbrook was not really in flow with the game as much as he would usually be. It's not an excuse to shoot six for 20 at the end of the day or two for seven from three, but that could factor into it. It's also a, it's still only 10 games into the season, so we'll, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt over time, but I'm still not a huge believer in the Rockets. I think they'll be solid. I think they could be a top four seed as usual, but – when it really matters, I don't really, I don't really know how to feel about them yet. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that this Rockets team is who they're showing us they are. I don't think there's going to be a lot of variation. If you really look, um, the past few years that D'Antoni's been with the Rockets, there hasn't been a drastic change in uh, the way that they play in towards the beginning of the season and towards the end. It's a lot of, like you said, ISO ball with James Harden having the ball in his hands and, and you know, making plays and making things happen. Uh, and I think that hurts them down the line because in playoffs, and especially playoff basketball, you know, you have to be able to, you know, draw up solid, you know, plays in in certain situations, in late game situations. And I don't think D'Antoni has that, that great ability to do that. Um, and especially when, Throughout the whole game, you're basically playing through James Harden, and you're not really getting a lot of your other guys involved, it, except in catch and shoot situations. Right. And I don't think this team has a lot of catch and shoot players anymore. You know, they had to let certain guys walk, and um, you know, certain guys don't get certain minutes, certain minutes in certain situations. So now, you know, that's a that's an area where it's it wasn't as good as it used to be. So when those guys are put into a position that's normally not their role. It you know it can cause problems for you, and I still see this team having the same problems it's had year after year in the postseason. This this type of play just doesn't work in the playoffs. I agree, and I think like for sure at the traded line they're gonna have to make a move for at least a, a shooter, another shooter or two. Because if you look at this team, the way it's constructed, I think defensively they'll be fine with the likes of Capello protecting the rim, PJ Tucker, Westbrook is is not a a great defender, but he's a pretty solid defender at the point guard position just because of his tenacity and his athleticism. But then you also have Tyson Chandler and Sepalosha off the bench who are two quality defensive players, and Chandler's a great rebounder. So I think what they're really missing is a few extra shooters. I mean, Ryan Anderson is not really playing right now, but we know he can shoot, but he's not what he used to be his first time around with the Rockets. I think if they can bring in more shooting, it can definitely help them in the long run. But I still think at the end of the day that this team is limited until they prove me otherwise because every year – I, I kind of fall for the trick of them showing out in the regular season, hard and cooking. Everything looks to be – they're all clicking on all cylinders, and then all it takes is one injury or they get in the playoffs and Harden's looking for fouls that they're just not going to hand you in the playoffs. Exactly. Taking those step backs, flopping. Like, there's shots he missed in the Golden State Series the last two years that if he just shoots them regular and is not looking for the foul, that's that's the shot he's looking for. But he's looking for the foul that they're not – the refs not the refs tend to swallow their whistle more in the playoffs, and you're not going to get that call. And I always think about the year before that when they had when they had Golden State down three two and Chris Paul gets hurt, and that's your moment to step up. Um, and even Game Seven in a closed game at home, your team shoots what? What were they like one of thirty something from three? Or yeah, it was. Bad. And they were and dude, and it was like a it was like a five point game in the fourth quarter, and you couldn't step up and make a difference. Like it, 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 that those kind of moments always give me doubt about the Rockets and what they can really overcome. I, I just feel like I think the thing about that why I believe in them a little bit is because not because of what Russell Russell brings on the court, but what he brings in terms of leadership and intensity that it looks like they were lacking. Um, I think like him having him in Harden's ear could either blow up in their face 
or work really well as he could be that extra like push that they need in the playoffs. We'll come to see. Um, I don't, I don't, where are you, I don't, where are you getting this, this leadership from Russell Westbrook? From? I mean, like, what, I don't think, where, where is this coming from? I don't think this man had James Harden and Kevin Durant on his yeah, team but that's, and couldn't figure out a way to keep it. It's a complete different, it's a complete difference when you're like a first or second year player and you haven't reached the, where you are yet. And that was never his team to begin with. Like, it, what, one team, Kenny, yes, it was. Yes, it was. Well, not it Harden. wasn't, but in his mind, he thought it was. I don't think so. I don't think not, not, okay. Not I'll give you. I'll give you not with Harden, but I'm saying with KD for sure. Potentially, he, yeah, there was a time where he felt like it was his team, which he should have never felt that ever I, in his life. I think more of his leadership is is more from like following, like people follow what they see. Like if he's going through running through a brick wall every single night, something that it looks like Harden doesn't have that same kind of energy to him. Like especially when you have players like uh, Cephalosha and Chandler and PJ Tucker, who you know are coming to play hard every night, like. Maybe that like environment pushes Harden a little bit more this year to get through that, to fight through the finish line as compared to falling short again, is what I'm hoping. Like in best case scenario, but I don't think that has anything to do with it, Mike. Yeah, I, it's not the fact of that they're they don't have the will to win. They want to win. It's just the way that their offense is constructed. It doesn't work. No, no, I agree. I agree with that, but I think it's also a combination of it. It just looks like when Harden when Harden's not getting the, those calls in the fourth quarter. In those in those playoff games, he doesn't have that. It's not like he he's not showing that dog like to keep going. He kind of just he kind of once things start to fall apart, he kind of unravels with the with the ship. And like if you have someone there who's intense and like trying to hold shit together, maybe that can be beneficial. I, I agree with you that their offense is not sustain, sustainable because of the lack of shooting, because of how stagnant it is really, and the isolation basketball. But I'm saying that in a best case scenario, if I am the Rockets, that's what I'm thinking that the intangibles of Russell Westbrook. And Tyson Chandler, et cetera, could bring to the table for you potentially. I don't know. They got some. They've had some dogs. They've had a Trevor Ariza. Uh, they still have a PJ Tucker, who's a rough around the edges type of guy. I, I get that Russell Westbrook, <coughs> excuse me, holds more clout and more value than those guys. But I don't think he's going to make that. Big I think difference. it's different when it's one of your best players setting the tone rather than a role player. But I do, I do see where you're coming from. Um, but speaking of Russell Westbrook, he had some very interesting comments on. Patrick Beverly following the game last night. Um, he's basically saying that <laughs> Patrick Beverly's really fooling everybody and the media, making it seem like he's a good defender, this, that, and the other. But he's just really running around there and being an irritant and not really playing defense. He's just chasing people around. Um, well, he's he's an idiot. Who, what? Uh, Russ? Yeah, because why, like, why are you talking about you went six for 20 yeah, but and two for seven last night? I don't, think, I don't night. think he was matched up. Why? I think he was matched up. It Harden. doesn't matter. It, he should not be talking about another, another man and how you know how good of a defender he is on somebody. He, first off, he didn't guard, and that didn't guard you, Bruh, You need to focus on why you're shooting so poorly and why. Yeah, you had 17 points and was a plus seven, but you only shot six for 20. You need to stop shooting 20 shots. I and only shooting two for seven from three point range. You are a horrendous three-point shooter. You've never been, you should not be taking seven a game. Average three-point shooters in the NBA don't even take seven threes a game. Why in the world are you taking seven threes? He needs to stop focusing on Pat Bev. I think Pat Bev is a solid defender. Granted, he's going against Harden. Of course, Harden's going to get his. Harden's an elite scorer. But at the end of the day, he's a pest. He's somebody that gets on your nerves. 
and gets under your skin and plays solid defense. It's hard to see very good defense in the NBA this, um, you know, anymore just because of the way the rules are set up. And, you know, it's just harder to play defense. So it's like, there's, there's people are still gonna grab hell, uh, uh, hella, you know, buckets on you. Like it's just gonna happen. There's no way to get around it. But at the end of the day, I think he plays pretty good defense for, uh, for being undersized as well. No, I, I agree. Um, I think he's definitely a great defender. He, you don't win, for you can't, you can't fake your way to first team all defense, honestly. Um, which Pat Bev has on his resume. Um, I just think that a lot. I think that Russ is right though, and that a lot of, um, a lot of. Pat Bev's success on defense is from his role as an irritant and to get in people's heads. Um, and not everyone has the ability to just like lock, to block him out and perform anyway. Um, like we even saw him get into KD's head a little bit. Not and to some extent last year in the playoffs. KD's arguing that that's part of the game. Car, yeah, and, right. That's part of basketball, and that it, it does make him a good defender. Um, but I just think I I don't know if there's much truth to what he was saying. I just it just sounds like classic Westbrook honestly that he just needs to start an argument or or go back at somebody because of something that happened off the court that's what I'm saying he has to there's this weird like he has like aura about he him, has like, like a, or this. a Baker Mayfield kind of vibe about like having to respond to people um not what, even what I feel like it always has to surround him like he has to be and like he's realizing that nobody's really talking about him this year, like we normally are back when he was in OKC, so he had to make his name in the, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is about him, but he always just wants to be the center of attention. But then again, he doesn't. It's weird. He acts like he doesn't want that, but he does so many things to have his name in the media. So it's just, what? I don't Westbrook? know. It's weird. To me. Westbrook's a really interesting. Yeah, and, yeah. And he shows to be very emotional at times too, like overly emotional. I, I don't. Like, it's just I don't. I don't know. feel like he's not overly emotional. I think he's just very candid and like he just he's not really he he just wears his heart on his sleeve and whatever whatever he's feeling, whatever he's thinking, he's gonna say it and speak his mind just just because that's who he is. And I, I don't I don't rip players for being like that because that's who you are. That's who you are. You don't got to change um, when you're in the league because just because of where you are. But it's just gonna be interesting to me to think about where. Where we where we paint Russell Westbrook, 10, 15 years down the line, obviously winning the championship changes and heals a lot of that, right? But just to see where he ends up in the grand scheme of things could be very interesting to me because from era to era, like you don't see things like that done often, especially in the era of players in which he's playing with now. Um, to put up numbers in the way that he's done for such a long period of time, but it's so it's very interesting how that and the correlation with that to true success, not just playoff appearances, is, is going to be weighed and valued at the end of his career. Like, it's way too early to tell. It's just an interesting thing. To no, I don't think I – I, th- I think that's low-key irrelevant. It, he really doesn't have to win a championship and he'll still be in the Hall of Fame. No, for I think, sure, for sure. First off, the, 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 um, the Basketball Hall of Fame is one of the easiest ones to get into, if we're going to be completely honest. That's true. And I think that – He's going to get in just off the fact that he averaged a triple-double for a whole season and was the f- second person to do it since Oscar Robinson. So he's, he's, he's already solidified his, his, his big ticket into the, into the Hall of Fame. Um, but where do we see him and project him you know, 10 to 15 years from now? I see him not in this league anymore. Um, no, obviously. I, but like, I'm saying like... But I'm got- saying I don't... But I don't... I see him being a non-factor in this league very soon. Like, oh. I see it over the horizon a little bit. Just because 
where his game is going and his body is going to start, you know, deteriorating and and his age is going to show. I, I, I don't know. I, that's the only thing that is keeping him at an elite level right I, now is his athleticism. No, I agree for sure because I think that, like, I think that what, like, for, like this is kind of a tangent a little bit, but going off of that and his decline, like, I just don't think that Derrick Rose gets enough credit for where he is and has maintained over the last couple of years because it's not only that he had injuries, it's that these injuries like took away his athleticism and he's still doing what he's doing now. Despite that, like he was able to adapt so quickly and it just shows how good, how even without the athleticism, he put a lot of work, even in. without that athleticism, how solid of a basketball player he is. Like we're talking about 19 points a game, six boards, I mean, six assists and 52% from the field. Like and he's getting to the rim as easy as he, ever has and that's just like it's just something like you see that and I don't think that Westbrook is going to have that same kind of decline from the league like I think it's going to be rapid and I think it's going to be quick like Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be I I feel like he's going to get the mellow treatment and like which is I think it might be worse (laughs) it really might be worse because right now you can argue that yes like Carmelo Anthony might not be like the best defender but you know that he's going to go in there and get you buckets we can't consist once Westbrook's athleticism phase we can't say that at all really we don't really know yeah, what he brings oh. to the table. Besides, he can't shoot. Yeah. His career. He can't yeah. shoot at all. Yeah. Like and but and but that and that's why people have to put more respect on Ben. Oh my day. There's no way. No, no, but seriously, no, no, seriously. <laughs> hear, no, like hear me uh, out for one second. Ben Simmons knows his realm and his limits and knows a a good shot for him. And what's not a good shot for him? If Ben Ben Simmons, everybody wants Ben Simmons to basically be like a Russell Westbrook, a guy who shoots shots that he shouldn't take just because they're open and no, there. I think there's a difference when at, as a as a point guard, and they both play the point guard position. And at the point guard position, you have to be very efficient, and that's what Russell's not. No, I I agree. I think there's a I think the difference is with Ben Simmons is that there's a big difference between someone in year three and at age what 23, 22? whatever he is, and mm-hmm. someone in year, what, 11 or 12 when you're 30 years old, like, we don't know what his limitations are yet. Like, we, we know that's not part of his game right now, but we don't know what his limitations are. And the only way to that, – that's, no, that's why people get on yeah, Ben Simmons, uh, not because they want to check a bad shot. Well, no, but people want him – no, no, no. People want him to take bad shots. Like, when he comes up the court in the three-pointer and nobody's guarding him at the three-point line right. and he's dribbling, but they no, want nobody's him to saying, take that shot. I don't no, I agree. No one's saying, shot. like, two minutes left in the fourth quarter in a close game. If someone's taking guard and you pull up a three. But I'm saying if you're up by 15 in the first half and that shit is there, take it. Like, how are you going to work on it if you're not shooting in games? It's not, it's not, it's not like pickup or practice. But you got – like, could, could people also understand with Ben Simmons that that three-point shot takes him to, a, a, like, like, a godly level, like, ridiculous level. Like, if that three-point shot is falling at even, like, a, an average clip, that puts him in a, in a class of his own, like literally LeBron James 2.0. But that's why people get on Ben Simmons. That's why people that's get on Ben Simmons. I understand that. But I, think, but I think also we have to remember his role in the offense doesn't grant him a lot of those opportunities. There's a lot of backdoor cuts. He, like, let's, let's be honest. When you look at the Spurs offense, especially Pop the way he runs it, it's not a lot of guys hovering around the three-point line and taking three-point shots. It's a lot of mid-range jumpers and a lot of throwing it down low and and working out and grabbing rebounds and getting e- and getting easy buckets. Brett Brown is off of the tree branch of 
of pop and he runs the same type of offense where it's a lot of inside buckets um getting easy buckets and a lot of screens and and just getting good shots and so where ben simmons is in the offense it, it, it just both he's more likely and more inclined to be around the basket so that's why those are a lot of shots that he takes but i think in certain situations and especially down down the road this season i think we'll see him take more of those shots when they become a necessity no, necessity but getting back getting back to russell bro I, it's it's scary i will i've you know everybody loves him and i you know i think he's a an all right player i i I think he's he is a Hall of Famer just because of the stats that he's put up. But you know, is he a winner? I don't know. Um, do I think he's going to win hope, an NBA championship? I hope so for him. No. I, I want them to win together one day, I, just because of for them both. I know they won't. I know they not, won't. But for their legacies not. and the storyline that would create, that would be really cool to see as a fan. And I would like that for both of them. But yeah, because it would give them some. It would actually, but like the idea also of manner, coming back together after I, what happened in OKC, like that, that would be just a cool story. True, that, that that'd right. be a good thirty for thirty. Uh, speaking of thirty <laughs> for thirty, we had a little interesting thing going on in the in that game as well. With uh, you want to talk about this one uh, with Doc Rivers and and Austin Rivers? Dude, that was so weird. So essentially, I was so I was watching the end of the game and doc is getting mad about a specific call and it was weird like it what they didn't even clarify what call he was actually mad about but he's getting mad and you know berating the officials about his discrepancy uh with the call and then he eventually uh so as the officials are like trying to sort this all out austin rivers his son is in like behind them and like motioning for him to get teed up and it was just a it was just a funny situation i don't know like it was just well, some people thought it was funny, but I thought it was kind of weird. And then uh, he eventually gets thrown out, and Doc talks about, yeah, he was right to say that I should have got teed. Like, it was just, I don't know, it was corny. And I felt like, I could feel like Austin Rivers is a weird kid. Like, he's like, he's like a guy who didn't really deserve to be in the NBA. That's not true. That's not but true. But got there because of his pop. That's not like, true. That's not true. His pop put him on, bro. Not really. Like, he. He should have been in the league. He shouldn't have been. He should have been in the league for sure. But I think like everything after that has been kind of weird. I, I think I just think that while remember like when Doc signed him, like that was a, that was like a, he did that because that's his son, and obviously like maybe he did want him as a player too. Like obviously who wouldn't as a father? But at the same time, I don't. Think, I don't think. I don't think that was the best thing for Austin Rivers' career. Like I don't think that could. I don't think that would have. I think that could have only hurt him. Like. You can imagine a locker room dynamic when your dad's a coach and like you're among grown men. Like, that's not going to sit well, I assume. Yeah, because like you know Matt Barnes, Matt Barnes talked about this. He said you know it was like you know he got to do whatever he wanted to do. Like you know he it wasn't he wasn't he didn't. It seemed as though he didn't hold his son as accountable as he did other guys, right. and guys didn't take take well to that. I felt like it was a little weird. I don't know. But that whole situation, like, he, but I feel like he just does stuff like that to get attention around himself. And the weird Houston crowd was liked it. And I don't think it's weird. It. I, don't know. I don't think, like, I don't think that's a big deal. Like, I think, like, he was just messing with his dad or whatever. And, like, the media took a, it took a leg of his own. Like, I, I don't really think it's a, like, I don't think he was trying to do anything, like, blatant or I don't think it was really a big deal. I just think, like, I don't know. I thought it was, like, it was funny, whatever. Like, something you see on Twitter, but I don't think it's a really a big deal. I, like, 
It's not a big deal. I'm I'm just saying no. my opinion on it. I thought it was weird. No, no, I feel you. It's not it's not it's really not that big of a deal. It's not like it's gonna affect, you know, their wins or anything. Of course not, but I just felt like the whole situation was weird. And it was just weird because nobody understood why Doc got so heated. So Yeah, it was just funny. But, but then like Austin Rivers was tweeting about it after the game. I didn't think it was a big deal. I don't, I don't know. But Yeah. But some of the tweets that came uh that came because of that incident were, was funny. It was like this crazy. I don't know. Do you see my Twitter? I reposted this. Uh, I sorry, retweeted this. Um, this one. I guess it was like a. It was like a clip from some show, but the dad is getting mad at him at Thanksgiving, and then the kid flips the yeah, table. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. It was weird. It was funny though. But uh, let's talk about your Knicks now. I guess. I guess it's time to talk about these. These scrubs. I mean, it's not. It's not. You really hate to see it. You you do hate to see it. Um, I mean, it is one of the hottest stories in the NBA. It's been a slow news week, to be fair, but it's also one of the hottest stories, uh, going around right now. Um, I wouldn't be boasting your chest about that, Fario. I'm not. I'm not happy about. You think I'm happy about it? No, but I mean, I'm used to it. It's not a big deal. Like you sound a little happy. I'm not. You sound a little ju- jubilant. I don't think that's. I think that's blasphemous. But. <laughs> if y'all if y'all didn't know what's going on basically what's going on with my Knicks is that uh they're trash and at the bottom of the league again for the what like fifth consecutive year. Yeah, haven't things haven't been going great on this side. Um but uh basically what happened really was that following a, a after a, a nice win that against Porzingis in Dallas last week that I thought would give them some momentum, they came home for a Sunday, a Sunday, a Sunday night game against Cleveland, and got the brakes beat off them like bad, yeah. and Colin Sexton went crazy. Um, and then following the game, President Steve Mills and uh, Scott Perry came out. And we're just saying, basically, saying that they're not happy with where the team is, where they're at, where they're performing, the effort levels, etc. Um, which many people were viewing as a referendum on David Fisdale, which is deserved. Um, but he's not the only issue with this franchise. So people are basically saying that his job isn't safe and even saying that the people, the president and the GM's job aren't safe, which I think is warranted. Um, But it's just been interesting to see like the responses from people all across many aspects to see what they think is going on. Um, I'm just, I'm just curious to see what you think on the issue on the subject right now. Uh, I think it's a little weird. Uh, I mean, I feel like the press conference is weird just because, like, why do that? Like, it's so early in the season. Like, why? Like, you just look disorganized and dysfunctional. No, I agree. To have, like, to have, like a press conference, what, 10 games into the season? I agree. Like that, it just seemed like you're desperate and that there is no clear direction within your organization. So, First off, you look incompetent to the fans. And then secondly, to project it like uh prospective free agents, you look dysfunctional and like you don't know what's going on. So it's a double whammy that you look stupid. Uh-huh. Look, the Knicks need to do something and need to adjust. I, I I really don't know what's what's going and that that's why I'm talking about Mike. It starts at the top. I think when there's no organization at the top and there's no clear leadership at leadership at the top. You have stuff like this. You have people going rogue and having press conferences 10 games into the I'm season. I'm pretty sure that, honestly, and if we're being honest, like, as much as that, the the thing for me last week was I was saying that I don't think that he is the source of all their problems. 
but he is a major part of a lot of them. Um, if we're talking about this press conference, I promise you that was not Perry and Mills on their own. That's coming from Dolan. That that's PR spin. Oh, well, he's an idiot for that. I know he is. He but he's always worried about public perception. And the thing is that the reason I've gotten used to the reason I've gotten used to defending him and like and just like having and and trying to explain the things that he does is just because I know that he's not going anywhere. Like he's gonna be here. He's not selling the team. That's not gonna change. Like and that's the reality we face as Knicks fans. I just know I I just but Mike, you cannot. Try to defend his stupidity. I'm not defending you his stupidity, but no, 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 you do. No, no, you do. I don't. I you do. I don't. You talk about it's not all on him. It's no. not. It's, it's not. not his fault. It's not because regardless of what's happening right it's now, regardless of what's happening right now, Fizdale is doing a, a horrendous job. Regardless, the th- the thing is, is that for some for horrendous, horrendous, he's doing a horrendous, horrendous job. Michael. Have you watched any of their games? Have you watched the rotations they put out there every night? They're horrendous. They're atrocious. They're never the same. They're not consistent. He's throwing people out there in positions they, where they. It's the beginning of the season, Mike. First right. off, look. But there's no reason. They're there's not, no the, reason. Same. They're there's not no... the same. There's not. They don't have. He doesn't have the same rotations. First off, because it's the beginning of the season and he has a very young roster, which means he can interchange whoever the hell he wants to interchange. And he's trying to see what the hell he has because I don't even think the Knicks understand what they have. Bro, it's not hard to figure out what they have. It's not hard to watch a game. As a fan can do it and see what rotations work and what don't. To see who plays well together and who doesn't. To run an offensive set that makes sense repeatedly and not just one time. It's not that it's not that hard. You're not, but did you ever think it's their execution? Did you ever think about no, that? Because there's no, there's their no their offensive system. There's not a system in place. There hasn't been a system in place since he's been in New York. There has not been. They're trying to run, they're trying to run the fucking offense with Julius Randle as a point forward, which doesn't make any damn sense. He's turning the ball over every game. And that's the offense he's running. They're running the offense where they bring up the ball and give it to Julius Randle and they let him work. That's not an offense. They're not running an offense. You're, you call yourself an NBA coach. We saw what he did in Memphis. He had a capable offense. All of a sudden, he's not running any of the same schemes. When he, Last year, we gave him the benefit of the doubt. Oh, he had all G League players and young players. Bet. What's he doing? What's his excuse this year now? What's your excuse to be playing Randall and Morris together when you know that they're all ISO heavy? What's the point of playing of playing Portis, Randall, and, and Morris together when you know that Randall and Portis are not good defensively? The, Julius Randle is not doing his job, and Portis is not spacing the four as well as we thought. Meanwhile, the young players are playing well, and they're not getting the state. They're not finding space for them in the rotations. That makes sense. Then he's playing Alonzo Trier, what, 25 minutes for two nights in a row. They won't play him for four games. He doesn't play Frank Nilekina the first three games. Then Frank Nilekina comes in and sparks that team for those two wins that they had. He's playing Dennis Smith Jr. coming off of the loss of his stepmother, he's, he's looking out there and embarrassing, embarrassing himself. He has no idea what he's doing. He's throwing shit on the wall and hope it sticks. And people are giving him too much benefit of the doubt because, oh, the Knicks aren't good. The Knicks are substantially better than what they had last year, and their offense looks worse. That's not an excuse because we, we, we're not comparing him to regular league standards. We're comparing to what he did last year with a garbage roster. And this roster is significantly better. The Knicks are not good by any stretch of the imagination, but their roster last year is significantly better than what it was last year, and there's no excuse for them to be yeah, throwing garbage out there on the court every single night to show some consistency. There's no reason that your team should go out there and and just lay an egg. You have to you have to have some kind of put some kind of fire under them. Do something. You're not doing your job. You're first of all, you're not putting them in a position to succeed, and there's no reason that even after a game where the coach, where there's we the players and GM or make it clear that there's a, a referendum on the coach and you go out and perform like you did in Chicago in the fourth quarter, 
there, there's something has to be done. And it's not only him, but it's also Steve Mills. Steve Mills has been here for 20 fucking years as Dolan's right-hand man. And he has all Dolan's trust. And he's been glancing by with no damage, with, with no repercussions for the dumb shit that he does on a consistent basis. And he's the, he's the one mainstay throughout this entire Knicks struggle. Him and Dolan, but he's the one running the basketball operations. Like Dolan is stupid for putting his faith in him. Like, no, I, I agree. Like, I agree. I agree. But I'm telling you, so that's on Dolan, Mike. Bro, you gotta stop doing that. You can't talk about, talking about basketball. hundred percent. I agree with you. Dolan, Dolan should be gone too. But at the end of the day, we. I know he should fire him. He should have been fired him. But at the end of the day, I also have to be realistic in the fact that Dolan's not going anywhere. They've been trying to get rid of him for years. He's not going anywhere. I have to, I have to understand the fact that he's going to be here, and we have to find a way to adapt with what we have with him at the top. Because it's not realistic. I think it's not realistic for say that he's not going to be here. Is my is my thing, which is why I'm not. I'm trying to focus. I understand that he's the cause of many of our problems, a majority of them. But I have to also have the hindsight to know that that's not changing, and to see that while he's not the best at what he does, there's also a lot of other factors around that team that are exasperating the problems significantly more than just Dolan. And there's a lot... There's, okay. People... I'll give you... Okay, I'll give you... I'll give you that. But what I... Okay, so let's go back and talk about what's actually wrong with this Knicks roster. I'm looking at the roster now and I don't see a leader there, Mike. I don't see a guy on this team to where you can put the ball in their 100%. hand each and every night and have trust that they can run 100%. this team. I agree. That's, that's, so, why, that's why they lost those first couple of games because they didn't have... They were... The first five games before they started on this little stretch of getting fucking blown out, but that's they, they were in my games and they don't have a closer. I agree, but that's what I'm saying. So I, I can see where the frustration with the rotations come from Fizdale. I understand that, but I think what he's really trying to do is trying to see who's going to step up and who's going to take over this team and who's going to try and take the reins and be. But that's part of the issue. And be a leader. That's part of the issue because they've. Coming to the season, we knew who that person was supposed to be. It wasn't really a mystery, like you're trying to figure it out. We who, we knew who Wait, was it supposed to be. We knew we knew what Julius Randle did last year, and we knew that they paid him to try to replicate that same thing in New York. We knew exactly who he was and why they brought him in. They knew what he put up last year, and they're trying to replicate the same thing, which is why they're running the offense through him. But at some point, after 11 games is enough to realize, hey, this isn't working. Because I could have told you after four games that it wasn't working. Trying to run Julius Randle at point forward, trying to unlock a part of his game that no one's ever seen before, is not working. Like, it's not realistic. Like, I understand you try something out, it works. But at, at 11 points, it is becoming a, a complete detriment. 11 games, I mean, it is becoming a, a complete detriment to the team. You have to learn how to adapt. And Fizzle has never done that. It's only, ele- it's only 11 games. Right? right, but you can't sit there and watch it. Wait, wait, 11 you can't, games? No, no, because you, because you, okay, it's not just about 11 games. I'm talking about the fact when you're in a game and the game is close and you put out, you're putting in a rotation that you know does not play well together and you just you watch them get clapped. You're watching them fall apart and you leave it and you don't change anything. That's stupidity. When you have your best perimeter, when you, when you have Kyrie Irving going off or you have Kemba Walker going off and you have your best perimeter defender sitting on the fucking bench, that's why they booed Dennis Smith that day. They weren't booing Dennis Smith. They were booing Fizdale because Kemba Walker is going off and your best fucking defender is sitting on the, on the end of the bench looking around. He doesn't do things that are smart. He doesn't. You're playing, you're playing against Kemba Walker, <coughs> Kyrie Irving. You have your best defender. Like he clamps, like he's actually putting clamps on people who he shouldn't be guarding. And what do you do? Are you talking about you're, Frank? Yes, you're and you're talking about, about you're talking about switch every screen. 
Are you kidding me? Bro, Kemba had 30 points, and Frank was guarding him for a total because of all the switching of, like, three minutes of game time. That kind of shit is idiotic. That's not smart basketball. And when people talk about, oh, feed the guy. But, no, the whole league switches, though, Mike. Don't, like, that yeah. is smart basketball. It's not, no, no, not every single screen. Not every single screen, especially when, when you're switching these screens. And Because, okay, you, you switch screens every single time. So what are they going to do? They're going to bring the center up, switch Bobby Portis onto Kemba, and that's a bucket every time. You have to learn to adapt and be smart. Yeah. If, if fans can see that, yeah. the, he has to see that as a basketball mind. The thing is with Fizdale that bothers me the most is that they brought him in here. I, I'm not, I'm not, like, I know, like, the Knicks offseason did not go the way they planned, and everyone knows that. That's clear. But they brought him in. Not, they brought Fizdale. Fizdale is not an X's and O's kind of coach. Fizdale is a rah-rah like, team spirit guy, try to bring in, like, attract free agents kind of person. And that didn't work. We, we know what happened with that whole offseason. We're not going to get into it. We already know the reality of that. But that's why Fizzo was there in the first place. We saw how he mishandled development I'm, last year. Mike, but, Mike, Mike, I'm looking at your roster, and you just don't have a lot here. I think the, I think the best thing offensively that roster, is Julius That Randall, roster should be competitive. That I roster should be competitive. But I think – but, Mike – it, it it shouldn't though because I don't see anybody on this list except for Julius Randle that I would trust to go out there and get me at least fifteen a night. Marcus Morris has played well, right? My, okay, I'll Mar- give you Marcus, Marcus Morris, but that's all right, all right. But bro, but that's what I'm saying. That's the only thing. And when you're when you're talking about coaching this league, you have to have like it's difficult. Not everybody's a Doc Rivers who can make. A whole bunch of nobodies look right, but like he's not. Elite he's team. not okay, but he's also not playing the players that make the most sense together in a way to when you're especially when you know you're limited, you're supposed to do things that bring out the best in your players, and he hasn't been doing that. Like starting the season off rip, you he talked all season off season about a point guard battle, Alfred Payton, DSJ, and Frank. That's all he talked about. Right. And he goes in opening night and he starts neither of them. Instead, he starts fucking Alonzo Trier, whose name is Isozo. Like his, it's in the name. Like you know what he's gonna do. Dribble the ball to the shot clock down, take a shot. And you're putting you're running him at point. No, you're running him at the two and RJ Barrett at point guard in his first NBA game. That's idiotic. He just does so much stupid stuff. And there's a way to maximize his roster to make it better than two and nine. Because at the end of the day, <coughs> all the players that they've brought in have proven to be reliable role players in the NBA. And at the end of the day, they, this team this team is not as bad as two and nine. We saw that in the first couple of games. That that based on talent alone, that this team is not a two and nine team. That they should not be getting blown out in the way that they're getting embarrassed in the way that they is. No one's saying that they're going to be a playoff team. No one's saying that they're going to be this great team. But at the end of the day, we saw we know based on who's on this roster as itself that they should not be getting embarrassed, especially in comparison to what they did last year and how they it wasn't even this bad to this point with that garbage roster last year. And you can't just keep giving him the benefit of the doubt, especially when his rotations are consistently hot garbage. It doesn't make any bro, sense. All I'm saying, bro, all I'm saying is it's been eleven games. No, but like, it's also, but it's also just, the carryover. I hear from you. Last year. I hear, I'm I hear you. And seeing what his rotations are, and like the same, the same things that people gave him a pass for last year because he had a mediocre roster is the same. Mistake. He has the same. He, he has doesn't. A maybe he doesn't. Has, but okay. But it barely elevated, Mike. No, 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 no,
when they're starting Luke Cornette down the stretch and playing Moutier big minutes. Hell no. But I'm hell no. Okay, but what I'm saying is it's still not shit. It isn't shit, but it's my point to you is there's no reason. <laughs> that is like, it's still no, not it's shit. Not. Of course not. But I'm saying so at the end of the all day, to what like, you've done with your own team. So like, it's not. We're not comparing him to regular NBA standards. We're comparing him to what he's done before, what he had last year, etc. What these players have done in the past, and we can hold him accountable for that. And he hasn't lived, I say he's he hasn't lived up to any of those things. I say, I say the book is still out. My honestly, like I. Let's see what he looks like in December. No, I agree. I, dude, fuck December, dude. At this point, no, I'm not even joking. At this point, bro, I don't want. Bro, once December fifteenth comes and you could trade those free those contracts, dude. Any any second round, late second round pick, early second round pick, whatever you can get for for Ellington because playoff teams need shooters, or Bullock because playoff teams need shooters, or Marcus Morris because he's actually a good player, or Todd Gibson because he's a veteran and knows how to win, dude. If you can get any of those guys out of there for draft picks, do it because this is literally a disaster. My thing is that like. My only thing with the issue is, like, I want these guys to go on, but my only concern, really, as a Knicks fan, is that, look, despite all the shit that's going on with the tur- turmoil with the front office and our head coaching situation, this is the most young talent they've had on their roster since, I rem- since I've been watching the Knicks in my whole life. And that's what a lot of people within the fan base feel. My only thing is that you, we all know, watch from watching sports, how constant change can affect a player's development. I don't, it can't be a situation. Like, if you're going to fire Fizdale, you better get the next hire right. Because you can't go into it. You can't be having knocks and, and the players who, the young players who are, look to be a part of your future moving forward in Knox, RJ, and Mitchell Robinson, mostly, those, them specifically, can't be having, can't develop in a, in a situation of chaos and turmoil. Like you can't having a new offensive system next year, a new coach, this, that, and the other. You just need to, if you're going to make a decision, you got to stick with it and rock with it. Because you can't ruin the one opportunity that, like, the first part of the rebuild and acquiring the talent is there. You now have to build on it and do do right by them. And if you keep want to keep making, like, dumb decisions and hiring coaches, this, that, and the other, that's where my concern lies because you're going to mess up their development and they're the hope that we have for the future. That's my only concern with this whole situation because, like, right now, at least they're with Fizdale and they've been with Fizdale through training camp. They understand him, like, Knox and Knox and Mitch have been with them for two years, but to throw like a new wild card in the situation and keep changing the situation around them could just be like yeah, it's not gonna go well for right. them. It's gonna be a lot of it's more confusion and it's not right. gonna lead to any cohesion. Right. So it's gonna be difficult. But that's all we got for you guys this week, guys. So man, I that, that just got me like, dude. I'm just right. No Mike just went on a 15 minute rant. Bro, like, it's just, God damn, I be, the like nobody. They barely heard my fucking voice. Like shit, bro. Like, because it was just it was it was the Mike show then uh, this week, guys. You know, bro, because the thing is, it's just for me also is that like, it, it there's a lot of people who have opinions on the Knicks, rightfully so, because of their prominence, right? And like because of their struggles, people talk to them about them a lot, which is fair. I just think that, like, a lot of people who speak on these things, like, say a lot of shit on Twitter or, like, write stories about them are saying things that are, that, like I said before, as you telling you before the show, like, things can be true but also factually misleading at the same time. And, like, we, you have to have it look at it in a way that's relative to not only, not only, like, the general NBA but also in comparison to where the Knicks have been and where they are going. And, like, it, it just frustrates me to no end to hear all these different t- twists and takes on the Knicks that aren't really completely necessarily accurate with where things are going. And then for them to come out, to then for them to come out and make me look stupid. 
by doing the same shit that they said they weren't gonna do. Like it's it's at this point, bro. At this point, bro. Bro, I hate to see it already that the season starts and I'm already like waking up at the draft, bro. But bro, just let me know when June's here, bro. I'm 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 over it. Yeah, I can't relate. My team's fine, bro. Um, but so I'm. Thank you guys for uh for tuning into the pod. Appreciate it. Make sure you follow us at B Ball Brains. Uh, make sure you follow me specifically at Bill Trace Thirty One on Instagram and Twitter. Mike, where can they find you at, Mike? Find me on Twitter at DJ Smoothie Seventeen. And you got I know plug my website smoothiesports.home.blog. Um. Go read that shit for real. But like, get up, like, get 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 at us on Twitter. You know, just let us know what you're thinking. Um, hear comments, your thoughts, maybe things you want to talk about. Um, even I'll even take suggestions for things like you want to hear or read. Yeah, on the pod, right? Up for the yeah, pod. Or, or read. Yeah. you know, I might start writing on your uh, on your blog too, Mike. Yeah, I gotta Let's I gotta say. proofread it though, man. Can't have no. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm just playing, but we, we appreciate y'all tuning in again we're trying to be consistent um i know i know we're not getting all the views in the world right now but we we don't it's not for a lack of effort i promise you that we can keep trying keep pushing um and just remember like, when we blow up so you already know hey but see y'all next week uh peace go next man pray for me <laughs>